0: Luke chapter 5, and we're going to go real quickly, if we can, please. I want to ask you, if you would, please, not to leave the auditorium unless you're ill. And if you do leave, please come in the back and please be respectful to those around you, whether you're in the balcony and you think, well, no one can see you. I can see you. I'm just joking. Uh, the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. I can't see everything, and I'm pretty oblivious to most things, but let me encourage him not to be disruptive. Please don't fr- bring food or drink in here, and there's no concession stand to go to, so stay seated just for a few moments. That'll be good, because we're coming to the place of the service where we get to hear what God has to say. And it's not because of me. Matter of fact, whoever comes and comes here, they're going to open God's Word. Last week, Brother Abdel uh, opened it in John chapter 21, and on Wednesday night, Brother Caleb Amaro shared with us a little bit of the burden of, uh, of getting the world the gospel of Christ. And whoever it is that speaks, it's not really about the person, it's about the message. The messenger is not as important as the message. And everyone who speaks to your First Baptist Church, and if you are new here, let me encourage you, bring a Bible every time you come. We're going to reference the Bible. There's not a single service. If you come to a funeral, you come to a wedding, you come to a staff meeting, you come to a youth activity, you come to a morning service, an evening service, every time, a Sunday school, every time someone's going to ask you to open the Bible. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And faith is what we need without faith, it's impossible to please God. And people who know their word or who hear the word, they get a lot of faith. I was talking this morning with our folks in our discipleship lesson. If you have not yet taken discipleship, I hope you will take lesson tonight on eternal security. Right over here in the overflow room at 5 o'clock. And Brother Steve will meet you there with others. It's a great opportunity to grow in the Lord and see what the Bible says. But it's interesting that John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, who was related to Jesus through his mother Elizabeth and, and Jesus' mother Mary, who was six months ahead of Jesus and was anointed by God to tell people that Jesus was the Messiah. He baptized Jesus, and when Jesus came out of the water, he saw the Shekinah glory of God and his Holy Spirit descend upon Christ, obviously. He heard the voice of his Father from heaven, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. Fast forward a few months later, however, in a jail cell for preaching against adultery, He preached against immorality, and the king heard about it and said, hey, you can do that, but you're doing that in a jail cell. And he never got out of jail. And in a low moment, he sent and asked some of his boys to visit him, said, go find Jesus and see, uh, ask him if he's really the Messiah or do we look for another. Do you know what John the Baptist was experiencing? Doubt. The devil is a master, and, and he is a sinister minister of doubt and deceit and discouragement, especially. He loves to bring fear to my heart and, dis, and deceit and discouragement and certainly doubt. The two men went to find Jesus. I'm sure they were somewhat embarrassed. They said, Jesus, we just visited John in the jail. And, and he, uh, he's asked us a question. It's kind of embarrassing to share it with you, but here's what he asked us. Are you really the Messiah, or do we look for another? You know, Jesus could have gotten angry and said, what? That clown baptized me. He spent his whole ministry telling people that I'm the Messiah. And he's asking you, what? He didn't say that. He very calmly and very gently and very carefully said, go back and tell John this. Tell John that the blind see when I, when I heal them. The deaf hear when I heal them. The crippled who can't walk, they can walk after I heal them. Some that are dead are raised back to the life when I touch them. And those, the gospel of Christ is being preached to the poor. Go back and tell him that. And you know, whenever they went back to see John in the jail cell, they said, John, Jesus said to tell you that the blind see and the deaf hear and the crippled walk and the dead are raised back to life and the gospel is being preached to the poor. And John said in his heart, and Sir, so he said to them, "Ah, oh, I knew that. You know what brought him comfort and strength again and faith? It was the Word of God. It was the words of Jesus. And by the way, when you go through a difficult time, whatever you do, don't run away from the Bible. Run to it. Don't run away from the services in Sunday school. Go to Sunday school. Get yourself up and get to the place you need to go because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it's interesting that the disciples must have had some murmuring going on Probably saying, "Man, I can't believe he asked that. That's crazy. I can't believe of all things he would send someone to ask him." And Jesus shut them up with this. He said, "There's not a better man born of woman than John." He said, "He's the best." And you know what he told us is that every one of us can be subject to doubt, and doubt, and deceit, and discouragement. It comes. To, it's not a respecter of person. Even the best of us can go through seasons of difficulty, and that's why all of us need the Word of God. The book of Luke is written by a physician named Luke. We believe he may have been sponsored by a fellow named Theophilus, and he would follow around the Apostle Paul and care for his physical needs, and at the same time, he would be used by the Holy Spirit to give us two books of the Bible, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. We're in Luke chapter number five. Sixty percent of what is said in the book of Luke is unique to Luke. So he is definitely a guy who has spent some time researching, asking questions, finding out what took place. He He wasn't an eyewitness to what he wrote about in the book of Luke. He was in the book of Acts, or much of the book of Acts, but he was not in the book of Luke. But he asked people questions, and he found out information, and then the Spirit of God inspired him to put it in the written page. And I'm so glad for the book of Luke. I haven't always—I still learning things. I have a lot to learn. In the Bible. Aren't you glad that the Bible is deeper than the than the deepest well? We can't. You can't all. You can. You might figure out everything about a Louis L'Amour or an Agatha Christie, but you'll never find everything about a Bible. It's deeper than you and I could ever imagine, and it comes in layers that for all eternity we'll get to learn more about the God of the Bible and his wonderful words. However, there are wonderful truths there. We've gone through chapters one, two, three, four. Now we're in chapter five. Look at it, if you would please. Jesus is now starting his earthly ministry. He has not yet chosen his disciples. He has no doubt communicated with some disciples. He has talked to some of them, but he has not directly implored them to follow him as the disciplined followers of Jesus yet. He is still working somewhat independent of the disciples. He has been speaking in his uh, Galilean community. There's 240 different villages in the Galilee region. He was raised in, in, in in the area of Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, but raised in Nazareth. And he gave there first his uh, indication that he was the fulfillment of the Messiah, and they rejected him and tried to kill him right off the bat. So he went over to Capernaum, and then in Capernaum there was the future disciples that he would have, not all of them, but at least three of them, and probably four, I guess four, Peter, James, and John, and and, uh, Andrew. Those guys fished off of that Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret that we've heard this morning. It's not a real big lake. It's it's I've been there. I've had the joy to be there at the uh, the kindness of our church family. I stood there with Linda. It's a, it's a lake that is 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. It is surrounded by hills on every side and and oftentimes was subject to some terrible storms that would come very quickly. But all out of those waters those four disciples who uh they made their living there. And James and John, their dad, uh, Zebedee, was definitely one of the main fishermen there. They had done this until they we were kids. They were fishermen there. Jesus was preaching that day, and as he was preaching, the crowd kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and pressing him until he probably felt water at the base of his heels. And so it looks like to me that he saw two little boats there. It was not a coincidence that the boat belonged to James and John and Simon, Peter, and Andrew. They were off on the side taking their nets. They had fished all night and had not caught anything, and they were fixing their nets and making sure they got the seaweed out and making sure that it was softened and ready to go. It was kind of like oftentimes a bell net where it had weights on the outside. They would see a school of fish in their boat, and they would together sling it out on top of the fish, and it would land on top of them, and then they would pull a rope, and it it would keep them inside of that trap. And then they would, they would take their time. I was, I've been in the Mediterranean Sea uh, over in Egypt when I've gone to speak there. And not every time, but a couple times I've taken a morning walk and I have watched this process take place where guys will go out there in these little small boats and they'll have these, these nets and they'll, they'll throw it out and then they'll just slowly bring their, their fish into shore and then they'll tie it up real tight and bring it to shore and take it to the market. Well, no doubt this is exactly what was happening at this time, but these guys had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. And now they have taken all the things, because when you do a dragon net, you don't just get fish. You get seaweed. You get sticks and rocks and, and uh, other uh, things from, the, from the, the, the shores and from the, uh, the bottom of the, the sea there. And so now they have opened up their nets, and they're listening, no doubt, to Jesus speak, But they're occupied, it's been a long night, because they've been out on that water all night long, and it's been even more discouraging to add insult to injury. They haven't been successful. They've caught nothing. And here we find our story in Luke chapter 5. Would you follow along with me, if you would, please? Verse number 1 in your Bibles. And the Bible says this, And it came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. May I tell you something? There are still hungry hearts that want to hear what the Bible says. You say, well, no one wants to hear it today. We're in in 2023. You're wrong, buddy. There are people that want to hear it. And by the way, God will provoke your heart to get the gospel to people. And you need to trust God, not your own impulses. This week, I was that way. There was a man, and he was a big guy. We were getting on a plane together, and he couldn't, he he, uh, had several things. He had purchased some alcohol from the airport to the duty-free, and he was... Had something else in his hand here. He was pulling some things out, and, and I said, can I help you put your suitcase up? And he said yes, and he was a big fella. Seemed like to be a little bit, uh, you know, just flustered. He put the wine bottle in his, in his, in his suitcase, and I picked it up and put it over, overhead, and he sat right beside me. There was a seat empty between us, and I always appreciate that, and I credit that to Brother Jerry Vargo's prayers. He says, Pastor, God, please give, Pastor, he's got those long legs. Give him at least a space next to him or give him a good seat. And boy, I tell you what, about uh, nine times out of ten, I have a great place to sit. And I thank the Lord for Brother Vargo's prayers on that. And when I have the middle seat for six hours, which I did have this week one time, uh, I just want to thank God that, and think of the Apostle Paul being chained to a sailor or to a, to a jailer on, on, a, on a ship and think, I, I, think, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> it's not too bad. Nonetheless, uh, I, he sat beside me. And, I, and you know, when I, the Spirit of God said, John, talk to him about the Lord. And I said, he doesn't look like he really wants to know. He said, but I'm asking you to talk to him. I said, yeah, but <laughs> he doesn't look very happy right now. But thank God I listened to the Holy Spirit. I don't always listen to him, but I did this time. But as I began to talk to, his, to this man, I found out he owned a company, a building and network, computer network company, I found out that he had given so, so much time to his company that he lost his marriage five years ago. I found out he was going to Miami just to get a switcher for his company, but his daughter, is getting married uh, in, uh, in next month, is from Colorado. She's a medical doctor. And she met another medical doctor, and they're going to get married, and he's, he is a Baptist. And he says, you know, I don't, I don't believe like you believe, in, or don't, I, don't know what, I don't even know what you believe, he told me. I said, could I take the Bible and show you how to have eternal life? And my friend sat there, and he took that, and I went through the whole gospel with him. He stopped me midway through it, and he said, John, you're giving me so much peace. He goes, I never met anyone who knows the Bible like this. I said, if you want me to stop, he goes, no, I don't want you to stop. He goes, we got five hours on this airplane. We're good. Don't stop. And we went through the Bible, and he stopped me several times. And He said, I don't know if it's your aura. I don't know if it's the book. I don't know what's happening right now. He said, but I was so tore up coming on this plane. I'm such a mess. I want to be back with my sweet wife. She's a good woman, and I hurt her so bad. I hope maybe one day we can get remarried again, maybe after my daughter's wedding. I hope I can prove to her, and because I'm so messed up, I, I drank some sours before I came on here. I'm embarrassed that, that I did that. because so I, don't, I don't like the way I am. But I'm getting peace by listening to the Bible. I never met anyone who knows the Bible. You know, the truth of the matter is I'm reminded that people need to hear the Bible. And Jesus, he preached to them the Bible. Not everybody is ignorant. of it. I've met plenty of people who have no interest. What we can do is move on to someone who has an interest and trust the Holy Spirit's leading in our heart and life. I'm glad that uh, my friend accepted Jesus as his Savior. And I'm grateful that we've become a friend and we're going to be working with him and sending materials and gave him several things that can help him. I'm excited about what God's going to do. But the people pressed on Jesus to hear his word. Look at verse number one again. And he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing in the, in the lake, and, uh, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which is Simon's, and prayed him or asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So the acoustics, with the mountains behind every place around the Sea of Galilee, And the water, on the water, he's sitting now, and the throngs of people there, they've pushed on him. And now he is sitting on, he's able to sit down and talk to them. And his voice can echo off of the water, the acoustics get the people. And he can sit there and he teaches them on the, uh, aboard one of those little boats. And that boat belongs to Simon. He's over there fixing his nets and he sits in his boat. Not by accident, but by divine design. Let's look, if we can, please, the next thing the Bible says. And he asked him, Would you thrust a little bit from land? Would you create some distance between uh, where you have your boat tied up and let me have a little more leash so I can get back, so I can get a little bit of distance, so I can speak to more people, and there's a distance between me and them. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, Now when they had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. For a drought. Notice that plural, let down your what? Nets for a draught. So after he had finished preaching, he says to, to Simon Peter, I appreciate you Let me use your boat. Let's do this. Let's launch out into deeper waters and let down your nets to catch some fish. Maybe he sought to repay Peter for letting him use his boat. Of course, there was much more going on besides that, but maybe that's what he thought. Well, Peter, though... He knew that. He knew that body of water. He had fished there since he was a kid. And, uh, but he was very impressed with who he was. And most people believe this is the second time that, uh, th- that Jesus had asked him to follow him. Let's look if we can, please, at verse number five. And Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. We have taken nothing. We, we haven't even got anything. Nevertheless, however, at thy word, because you asked me to, I will let down the, did you hear it? What's it missing? An S. He said, let down your nets for a draw. He said, look, it's been a long night. We've been doing this all night long, throwing out, pulling in, throwing out, pulling in. We've just now cleaned our nets. And you're asking us to go back and do it again. We know all about this. And uh, we cannot, we cannot, uh, we cannot do this. This is not going to work. He said, nevertheless, because you've asked me to, we'll let down one of our nets. We'll let down one. Look, if you would please, the next one, if you would please. And we'll, we'll look at verse number six. And when they had done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. When he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Here we find that uh, the story happens where he said, Okay, I will let down a net. And when they let down one net, they took up the draught, they pulled that, that string, and they had so many fish that the net broke. And they said, hey, man, help, help, get the other boat, get the other boat. And the other partners came over there, and they got they had so many fish that they, their boats threatened to sink. And then it was an aha moment for Mr. Simon. Simon Peter went over and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Have mercy on me. Look at what it says, if you would please. He says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he was astonished at all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. He said, I couldn't, he couldn't believe it. So he, he really humbled himself and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy of this. This is awful. I can't believe this has happened and it wasn't so much as astonished with the fishes, he was astonished at his lack of belief and then and who he was dealing with. He knew what he had just experienced was a miracle. Would you continue on with me if you would, please? The Bible says, and, and he was astonished and all that was taken. Verse number 10, and so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. We find, here's the story, and we find that this is probably the second time that Jesus, most of believe in Matthew chapter 4 and in Mark chapter 1, that Jesus had already made acquaintance with Peter, James, and John. He'd already talked to them already, and he'd asked them, would you follow me? And they forsook their nets, and they followed him, but made their way back to Capernaum, and back to their work. But this seems to be the second time in which the Lord had come to them, and it broke Peter to the place where he was afraid. That's why the Bible says, fear not. Jesus said, fear not. uh, You're gonna start catching men. And that was enough for them. They had never seen probably that many fish for a day at the market. But it looks like to me, they didn't even take it to the market themselves. They forsook all of that, and they begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things we can take away from this story. I want to give you a couple of things that come to mind. First of all, people need to hear the Lord. They need to hear the Word of God. There's something spiritual that happens when people hear what the Bible says. Don't be afraid of the gospel. Don't be afraid of the power of the Word of God. Speak of Jesus Speak of the Word of God. If people will let you ask them, could I show you from the Bible? They say, Well, uh, I'm not your religion. Still ask them. Because there's power in the Word of God. The Apostle Paul said it this way I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Secondly, I want you to notice here that God's progressive plan. You know, Peter, James, and John, this wasn't their first rodeo with Jesus. This wasn't their first exposure. Andrew had already told Peter, Peter, you got You got to come see Jesus. They went with him for a while and came back to their place. I would say that most of us, when we get saved, we don't just go great guns all the way. No, there is usually some up and down. There's some back and forth. How many say, Pastor, I think in my years of coming to know Christ, that's kind of what happened to me. I was speaking to Brother Brother Spear, Ted Spear. He's a vibrant missionary of God in, in Ghana. But he had two men come to his house, and he was in Virginia Tech University and knock on his door, and they came and they showed him the Bible, how to be saved, and he accepted Christ. He came for a few weeks to church, and for almost a year, he didn't come back to church. But those two men didn't forget him. They were patient with him, and they loved him. Aren't you glad they did that? Aren't you glad someone kept on coming back to him? And whenever he started, he was now saved, but he wasn't faithful. But in those 11 months that he was away, and he didn't come back to church anymore, they kept loving him, writing him notes, calling him, encouraging him to come back. And whenever he got God dealt with him for those 11 months, then he came back to church, and then began going on for the Lord. You know, there's almost all of us are that way. But God has a progressive way and he's working with us. And every one of us are in this way. Here, these men would be used of God to turn the world upside down. Peter would be standing and preaching and 3,000 people, as many people that are in this room, all would get saved and baptized in the same day. It was a miraculous thing. A lot of wonderful things happened. These guys would be used of Lord all of the ones, Peter, James, Andrew would all be martyred for the Lord. John would be tortured, boiled in oil. And and he would live the longest. He would write the book of the Revelation. He would write the book of John, the book of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. God would use these men. But at the time, they were in a progress. You know, it's kind of interesting what Jesus said. Hey, would you let me get on your boat? And would you thrust out a little bit from land? You now there's some folks in this room, you need to thrust out a little bit from where you are. You come on Sunday morning, but you ought to come on Sunday night. Some of you, you could do a little bit more. God's asking you to move a little bit closer to his will for your life. He said, would you thrust out a little bit from land? And then, after they did that, and he finished preaching. He said, would you guys latch out to the deep? Now, that request was both two things. It was inconvenient, and it was illogical. He said, let it launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draught." Now, these guys understood, and if you know fishing, most of you understand, fishing at noonday is not really usually the best. When the sun's out, the fish go deeper, and they're just not interested. Well, they knew that. Here he had preached in the morning, they'd listen, They'd had a long night. They finally got all their nets cleaned and wrapped up, and now he says, let's launch out into the deep and put your nets down for a draught." It was both inconvenient and illogical for them to do that at that time. You know, sometimes the will of God is that. You got different plans. You're ready to go home and go to bed. That's what these guys are ready to go home. They were there, said, you know, we'll finally get this done. Let's go. And you know what? Sometimes God intercepts our plans and our ideas, and he does things for us that, first of all, he says, listen, let's trust out a little bit from the land. And then let's do something a little bit inconvenient. You got your life all planned. You know what's going to happen. You got all your nets all together, and you're just going to go and try it again tomorrow, but not right now. And it's inconvenient for you. And then, illogical. It's not the right time. Now, I don't know who I'm speaking with this morning. and I may not be speaking to anybody. But I don't think it's an accident that God has led us to Luke chapter 5 this morning. But here's what God wants for every one of us, to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants you, young man, you, single adult, you, middle-aged married couple, you, there's something God has for your future. And you can always expect more than you can expect But at God's word, you know, whenever God speaks to you through his word and through his spirit, you and I ought to learn to obey every spiritual impulse he gives us. If it's just to launch out a little bit from the land or launch out into the deep or do something that's not really convenient and logical, but to obey the Lord. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to see God work in your life as you and I learn to obey him. And it's going to humble you like it humbled Simon Peter. When, God, when Simon Peter saw what God did for him, he said, Lord, have mercy on me. I am a sinful man. You know, God didn't talk anything about sin to Peter, but Peter was talking about sin. And when God is big, you and I get real little. And we're big, God gets real little. But when you see God do his work in your life, you're going to have more an amazing appreciation for God. And it'll strike some fear in your heart. He said, you know what, don't be afraid. Your life is not going to be about fishing for fish. It's going to be about fishing for men. We got some some things to do. And that day, they left all, and they followed Jesus. I wonder where you are in this story today. Some of us will spend our whole life fighting God, refusing to accept his loving Provocative ways of launching away from the shores of security. Of doing things that are against convenience and logic in our own heart and mind. And we'll enjoy a lifetime of just wading in the pools, wade pools of life. I don't know, when I go to camp, I do not want, when I was a kid, I go to camp. I wasn't all that good of a swimmer. First of all, I was so skinny. And that was a long time ago. But I was so skinny, I'd about to, i just float to the bottom just about. I had to work hard to get going. But I did not want to spend my week splashing myself in, a, in, in, the, in the wade pools. I wanted to get out into the deep. I love seeing the people dive and do the cannonballs and the, the screwdrivers and the swan dives. That's where I wanted to be. But to do that, you had to pass a test. You had to swim back and forth so that, so that the, uh, the lifeguard would approve you, and then you got your little sticker and you, you got a little band and you could, you could swim in the deep end. And I would see the deep end, and especially in lakes, they were always so much purer and cleaner. But over here in the wade pool, they had a little rope around there, and it was just a bunch of guys just throwing dirt at each other, you know, splashing themselves, picking up mud and throwing at each other. I said, I want to be as far away from that as possible. I think so many people, because they fight against God, they're not surrendered to the Lord. They're not letting God move them. They're content to be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, only doing things that they can do. Standing in security, splashing herself with muddy water, rather than swimming in the deep end in the will of God for your life. Maybe it's in giving, Maybe it's in forgiving. Some of you, you're holding grudges that you need to let go. Why? You're going to still be splashing yourself with bitterness and mud for years on end, wasting what God's telling you to do is to launch out. Trust me. Do things that are not easy and convenient and not logical. Do what you're supposed to do. Some of us, we're content just to tip God rather than learn to tithe. Some folks who are tithing, you don't want to do anything more. You just want to make sure you keep God off your back. You're afraid to to take another step of obedience. Some of you, God wants you to prepare for ministry. You should have been in Hammond Bible Institute this semester, and you missed it. Some of you, God has something for you, but you're saying, no, I don't want to do it. You should have been on a bus route. You should have been in a Sunday school class. But you're just content to splash yourself with mediocrity. Launch out into the deep. Let God have your life. Let him have your will. And you're going to find, you're going to find a big God with great abilities to bless your life. Or you can stand around for the rest of your life and wait to see him. You're going to go to heaven. You've accepted Jesus. But you're not going to enjoy the blessings of swimming in the deep waters with him and what he can do for you.